Welcome to the Good Growing Podcast. I am Chris Enroth, horticulture educator with University of Illinois Extension, coming at you from Macomb, Illinois. And we have got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking with Chris Luking all about cut flowers. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's something I've always wanted to get into, uh, and I'm excited to speak with her today. And you know I'm not doing this by myself. I am joined, as always, every week by horticulture educator Ken Johnson in Jacksonville. Hey, Ken. Hello, Chris. You enjoying the warmer weather? I kind of am. <laughs> it's, I, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed that cold snap that we just had simply because of the fact that the, the surface of the soil froze and I didn't have to mop the floor at least like two days this last week. So that was great. Um, now we're back to mopping and uh, people are just tracking mud in nonstop, it seems like this time of year. How, how was the warm weather in your neck of the woods? Or sorry, the cold weather. How, how, what are you feeling? It was amazing. Mm -hmm. It's nice to have cold weather like we're supposed to. And this week I did get some yard work done. We moved some mulch, which was frozen. Um, so that was fun. But got got our mulch pile moved and I have to order some more now. You, you mean the composting process isn't keeping that mulch comp, uh, pile uh, nice and steamy warm? No, it is. It was pretty well composted in areas of those. Mm -hmm. Some of it we just put into the yard because it was pretty much no longer mulch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have been keeping an eye on the daffodils as I we have a daffodil right in front of our office here in Macomb, and I've just been watching it. It's been up since like mid-February, and today, what is it, March 21st, the tips of the yellow petals are just starting to break open the flower buds, so we're about to have daffodils in bloom here in Macomb. Have you seen anything in Jacksonville yet? A lot of houses that have them on the south side of the house, they've been bloomed for over a week now. Uh, the ones I have in my yard, they're on the north side of our house, so they're a little bit cooler location. Um, they're up and they've got flower stalks are up and the buds are starting to show yellow. And I, th I think some of the ones we have are a little bit later varieties uh, too, but yeah, at, at home we should have them here uh, pretty soon and Throughout Jacksonville, we've got daffodils here and there, full bloom. Well, that that will be exciting. I'm uh, excited to see uh, also your tulip display this coming spring because I know you have quite the assortment of tulips along your front walkway. So I've seen a couple pictures, and I'm looking forward to seeing more. Hopefully, they're all they'll come back up, <laughs> and the squirrels haven't yet all moment. <laughs> We do have we do have a few gaps. Most of them come up, but we do have a few gaps where there used to be tulips. So I don't know if they're just they're late, bulbs died, or something ate them. But we'll see. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I'm well. I'm looking forward to that. And speaking of flowers, I think this is a prime segue to introduce our guest for today. Uh, we're going to be talking about cut flowers with horticulture educator Chris Luking. Uh, welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you guys for having me today. Well, we are happy to have you. And just uh, so everyone knows where you're located, you, um, you we cover a, a, large, a couple of counties, but you primarily work out of Marion County in Salem, Illinois, correct? Correct. And we've had daffodils in bloom for two weeks now. So we're, we're definitely a little bit warmer than you guys have been. So we did have a dusting of snow Saturday, but we've got flowers in bloom. Oh, that see, and I've, 
I've heard from other people that have been traveling down into Southern Illinois, even far like South Illinois, that it's been spring there for a while now. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a little jealous, a little happy. I'm still up in Northern Illinois. Can't, can't really decide for myself. So Chris, um, today we are talking about cut flowers, which is something I've always been interested in because my wife has always said, you, your job is to grow plants. Why are you never bringing flowers home or flowers inside? It's like, well, I've never had a good opportunity to grow these flowers for you. So uh, I'm excited to talk about this topic today. So Ken, would you mind kicking us off with our uh, line of questions for Chris, please? I can do that. So I guess our first question is kind of how did you get start? How did you get started in growing cut flowers? And why did you want to? And you know, what was that the process for you getting started? Well, I had grandmothers and my mother. We always had a flower garden, right? In the front walkway and in the garden, we always had zinnias and marigolds and everything growing. Uh, but I took a class with the beginning fruit and vegetable farmers with Illinois Extension. Um, it was actually located, it was a grant for the Illinois beginning fruit and vegetable farmers at Dixon Springs. And I attended one Saturday a month for a whole year. So it was a commitment to drive down. For me, it was a two hour drive to Dixon Springs. We had uh, local educators there, uh, Horton educators and commercial ag educators that kind of talked about how you got started with a beginning um, business like that. And so I thought it would be interesting to go ahead and do cut flowers. Uh, my husband thought it'd be great to do vegetables, uh, but I wanted to do flowers. And so we compromised a little bit. Um, I actually applied um, after taking the classes and learning about business plans and insurance and the equip loan. I actually applied for an equip loan, which I received uh, money towards my high tunnel. I put up a 30 by 72 high tunnel, a poly structure high tunnel. And in that, we decided to that we would do half of it in cut flowers and half of it in vegetables. I had visited the farmer's market and kind of had done a little research on what would sell. And we did not have a cut flower vendor in Mount Vernon, Illinois. And we decided that that way might be a, a viable option to diversify a little bit. I know a lot of growers that have used that Equip loan to help them to get started in some type of a specialty market, whether it's cut flowers, vegetables, uh, hydroponics, you know, like yeah. really interesting. So that, that's, I, I think that's great. Now, I don't quite remember. Is is the equip loan? Is that through NRCS? Is that the it is yes, and it and it takes you time. So along with that, we had to do first do a conservation plan. It's not overnight, mm -hmm. <laughs> so immediately no. It's going to take. It was a two year process um, to go through the. We had, you know, they come out. The soil scientists came out. They looked and wrote a conservation plan. I actually, along with getting the high tunnel, I put in a pollinator strip, which mine's an L for Lukeen, mm -hmm. of course. <laughs> um, I always laugh about that, but it really was an L shape. Um, we put in native plants and it was for uh, pollinators, for bees and, and all the pollinators. And so we put natives in along with it. So we created this conservation, conservation plan um, to kind of mitigate any runoff that we would have coming off of the tunnel structure. 
And you had mentioned you're going to the Mount Vernon market. Is your farm, you, you said your uh, office is in Salem with extension, and but is your farm, is that close to Mount Vernon or is it that is. located somewhere else? Okay. It is. We actually live in Woodlawn, Illinois, which is uh, five miles east of Mount Vernon. So that market is closer to our farm. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. I think that's pretty fascinating. We haven't really even gotten into the cut flowers yet, but now you're like, oh, I have pollinator strips and I'm like, ooh, I wonder what kind of flower she has in there. So uh, Chris, is there anything specific? Now, was it NRCS that decided on your mix for the pollinator strip or were you able to tailor maybe some things? I kind of tailored it a little bit because I worked with Pheasants and Forever Mm -hmm. um, on some of their mixes um, that they use for wildlife uh, to kind of just, uh, they have certain mixes that are more for ground cover. And I wanted a variety of um, uh, plants that would be a mix to go through there. So we have, and I, part of it too, is that there's a wet strip on one end of it. So I wanted some um, wet pollinators that would be, mm-hmm. or wet plants uh, that would go in there that, you know, like our swamp milkweed and rattlesnake master and cardinal flower that would do well in that wet little low area. Ken, I think it's time for a road trip. Um, <laughs> she hasn't even gotten in the cut flowers and I want to see this. Live on location. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you you applied for the equip grant. You had got a, a high tunnel. You split that 50-50 veggies, cut flowers, now let's say um, I'm maybe a, a, a startup commercial operation, or maybe I'm just a home backyard grower who's really wants to just have cut flowers around all the time at, at the home and share with family and friends. Um, beyond that high tunnel, what other equipment do we need, or um, is there anything special we need to consider before we even start getting seeds in the ground? Right. So what I really had to look at is location. I wanted to have um, six to eight hours of sun, right? Because you're going to have plenty of sun. So you have those nice, strong, uh, tall stems. If you have shady locations, you know, you have to have varieties that's going to tolerate that. Um, But I definitely wanted to, I had to also, we are in Southern Illinois, so we have a lot of clay. So we had to amend our soils. um, So we had to add some compost to get our, uh, you know, area. So it wasn't uh, compacted as much as maybe we have in Central Illinois. So we had to definitely look at our site location. We had to make sure we had sun. The other big key thing was water source, right? I don't want to have to um, carry water to everything. So we wanted to make sure we ran some water lines. Um, We do have drip irrigation, but I also do have um, a storage, uh, like almost like a rain barrel that I collect water off one of our barns that I use um, around also in some of my um, perennial beds. Mm -hmm. So, And that, okay, that, remind thinks make makes me think of oh what a benefit growing cut flowers and maybe not necessarily edible crops with that um harvested rainwater do you treat it or do you need do you need to do anything with it or can you just use that straight out of the cistern or the the storage uh uh, what am i trying to say tank yeah so we have a it's like a big uh range shuttle type of tank that i use Mm -hmm. and that i use strictly on a perennial bed because i have a large when I say perennial bed, it's probably larger than some people. So it's about uh, 25 by 70. So it's a pretty large bed, you know, perennial bed. area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it's because I, I, you know, 
tend to want everything. I'm like every flower grower, you have a new variety come out and you want to plant it. And so we just made a really large perennial bed um, and I utilize it there. Sounds like you have the perennial bed. It's it, right. So we have a perennial bed mm -hmm. and then we have actually, so we also have um, an area designated. So if you're just going to do your garden and you just want to add zinnias or mm -hmm. crocut flowers to your garden, you know, we just want to make sure that you can make uh, rows of, of flowers that you can mm -hmm. have. You can add those to your um, garden. So I guess the best way to do it is to designate an area um, you want to use plant spacing. You can you can use the uh, fiber strips if you want to. If you want to put down landscape fabric and burn holes in them and plant it out and by six by six um, spacings, but you don't even need equipment. I mean, as long as you have a broad fork and you have an area that's been tilled up or you you broad forked up that area, um, you can plant pro cut sunflowers in just rows um 30 we do 36 inch rows and we plant them four to six inches apart and what we do is we'll do a set of three rows um three to four depending on what variety of sunflower we have but we like to do the pro cuts and just allow spacing a smaller spacing between them and that way then you don't have to worry about having a lot of equipment um, you may want to run irrigation drip irrigation lines down them um, if you need a water, you know, to add that water, but if you don't, it still will allow you to hand water that space without having a lot of other equipment. So that's probably one of the easiest ways to get started is using either a pro cut sunflower, or if you don't want to have to cut multiple times at a long length of it, um, and you want them to last a little longer in your garden, you could do a branching variety, and then you just need more space between them. Then you'd want to spread those out to nine inches apart, so that you allow time for it to space and, and branch out and grow, or even further, you may even want to go to, you know, 12 to 18 inches, depending on the variety, um, what the seed recommendation packet would say. Mm -hmm. But if you do the what we like to do is in our garden spacing, we'll we'll take and we'll put those rows. So we'll take sunflowers and put down in 36 inch rows and space them six inches apart. Then we might come back, have enough space that we can have a walking path between them. And then we'll do um, rows of zinnias. And now our zinnias we'll put close together, we'll put a double row and we'll play, plant them down. And um, that allows them to grow, but also have, as they grow, they'll kind of overtake any weeds that are coming up. And that way then you don't have to till and you don't have to go down them and like down in each individual row, we'll, we'll kind of space them together. And we don't have to add a netting to them uh, because they kind of support each other that way. So it, it takes over the weeds, they, they mitigate any weeds and they also branch out and fill up your space. Is this going in your high tunnel or are you just doing this? This is in no. field crop. Yeah, so we have we have two different approaches. We plant, so our high tunnel is for season extension um, that we plant early varieties and we also plant, we've kind of moved away from zinnias in there until like a later succession in the fall. Um, we don't do that early summer because you can go those outside in our field crop um, area. Um, so we'll use that there. We'll go ahead and plant a late succession zinnias in the tunnel and hold those into our fall bouquets. And that way then what we typically have seen is 
in our humidity um, in Southern Illinois, what we have is we'll have some powdery mildew issues with zinnias. And so we don't want to plant them too soon and have them have to go through the whole summer. We'll wait till a fall planting. How um, you mentioned that season extension aspect, how far can you push that season into the winter? Do you, would you have cut flowers in like December? We don't go all the way quite to December um, with cuts. We have gone to November for Thanksgiving bouquets. We've had mums um, and we've had, we grow in our tunnel, um, which we didn't talk about yet, but, but we grow uh, eucalyptus. And so we'll use our eucalyptus, we'll, we'll save it and we'll cover it with a, some agarbon and we'll hold those all the way until the end of November. Um, we will go ahead and cut it when we start seeing temperatures dropping it down into the 30s um, because we seem to have some stem um, and leaf foliage damage with the cool weather. Um, but we'll have mums. Um, we will have, sometimes we'll have zinnias if we have them late in there. Um, we may have lisianthus or we might even have late dahlias that we're holding um, and that we've been kind of covering that we'll have all the way. We had all the way up until November 26th this year, we were cutting out the tunnel. So they can withstand the, the frost, right? But they just can't withstand those night temperatures getting so low. You've kind of talked about this a little bit, but what are, so if you had to pick five flowers, um, probably like picking your favorite kid, but yeah, <laughs> what are kind of your, your, I guess your top five or your kind of five go-to cut flowers? So for our field crops to go out and have, so anybody could do in the summer, uh, plant these in their garden, you can plant these in containers, plant them in your existing flower beds. Um, our, my top five Absolutely. Xenia is one of my top choices. I mean, there's so many color varieties. There's the large, um, you know, varieties that you can get the state uh, fair varieties. You can get the tiny little Timbalinas. Um, they have the, the peach varieties. There's also the, all the limes now and, and multicolored ones, uh, candy cane, cactus varieties. So zinnias, absolutely, because they're come and cut again. The more you cut on them, the more you can enjoy them because they'll come back. Uh, typically, they're great at direct seeding. You don't have to have any special seed starting equipment, um, anything for them. They're pretty hardy. Um, they'll last. Like I said, the only issue, they're pretty disease and pest resistant. The only issue I've ever seen is Occasionally Japanese beetles like them, um, and you will have some powdery mildew issues later into the season, um, and, and that's usually typically your August for us into October before we start seeing any issues. So you can, through the middle of summer, you're going to enjoy them um, for a long time. Uh, the next one I would say would definitely be sunflowers. Um, I love all the different varieties of sunflowers. There's you know, the little teddy bear sunflowers that are 24 inches tall all the way um, to Pike's Peak ones. But I would say the pro cuts, um, if you're going to do cut flowers or you want to bring them in even to enjoy them, um, your pro cut pollenless sunflowers. Mm -hmm. um, pollenless because if you get the pollen variety, what happens? You cut them and then that pollen drops after two days, right? And so there, you have that yellow pollen all over your table and everyone's upset about that. <laughs> so um, we, we recommend if you're gonna do cuts to bring in, 
to go with the pollenless varieties. They're still a great you know, nectar source for the bees. It's just that they're not dropping that pollen um, inside your house. So I would say pick a pollenless variety, try any of them. There's red varieties, there's plums, there's so many different ones. Moulin Rouge is a new one. It's, it's just a lot of fun to do. My third choice for anyone that's just starting out, I would definitely say uh, Cosmos is a great one. They have the single petal ones. They have double clicks. Um, they have a, an apricot lemonade one. That's a, it's a new variety out. Um, you know, they, they have so many different color shades and, and they've hybridized those. Um, they have this really pretty foliage too that we like to use when we're doing um, bouquet work. They're very airy. It almost has a it's split foliage like, that looks like dill or fennel. Um, it's a very airy and, and really um, fun bouquet that, you know, to add to it as a foliage too. Uh, so when you're making bouquets for in the house, I would say the next one that I really enjoy and it's real easy to grow would be Gumfrina. Um, so you've seen them where they've called them strawberry fields or the little ones that so they've had their reds, there's whites, there's pinks. Um, we like to use those because not only are they good through the summer, but then you can take those and dry those. And so they hold their color. They're pretty true to holding color. Um, even if they dry out, they still look really nice. They don't fall over and turn brown and wilt. They still look nice in your bouquet in the house. So you can kind of push it. Um, if you happen to not be one of those that want to throw your flowers out, they still have a good color. Um, and then probably of my top five, uh, for beginners to, to use and, and do, I would pick a Celosia. I love uh, coxcomb. There's so many varieties. There's a plume kind that, that's long, um, it's got long stalks to them. Um, of course, everyone loves the, the crested combs and they look like, you know, uh, there's persimmon and red and they're just a lot of fun to for everyone to grow. They look like little brains. My kids say they look like brains. They're, they look like you know, a rooster comb, but I, they always like them around, you know, the, the holidays and they go, oh, look, there's brains all everywhere, you know, when they're little. So um, they're fun. And I think everyone enjoys those. Those are just a, they're tried and true. They're pretty hardy. Once they get established, they they kind of take over and they, they do well. Um, they, they take drought pretty well too. Um, so that's another thing. I like to use um, things that are drought tolerant because if they get a little bit that you have to wait to water them. I like all of these varieties because they're drought tolerant. This is an amazing list and um, I, I need to order more seed now. I don't <laughs> know if I'm going to be too late. Um, so, uh, Chris, is this... Uh, I've done the Cosmos before, and I have had trouble with that one when I started them in flats. Uh, they just started twisting and weaving all over into each other. Are you doing this inside under grow lights in the high tunnel, or do you direct seed out into um, your your beds? So we will start um, some of our Xenia seed Um as our first succession planting in the tunnel, um, you know, just to start them. I, I don't always use grow lights for them because the tunnel is, is pretty filtered light and I'll get them started. I'll just start them um, in April and, and let them go. But I direct seed, all of these things can be direct seeded out into your garden and they will do fine. I typically won't do Cosmos in seed starting trays. I'll just direct seed them. 
Um, they're really good about that. You know, there's so many varieties that you need and we can go into, you know, those cool season, uh, cold hardy crops. Um, so our cool flowers, you know, some of those are, are things that I'll start in fall and, and hold them over and have them for spring blooms. Um, and But right now, these are all things that anyone can do and not have any equipment. And yes, I learned my lesson with Cosmos and like half ah, from now on, that's getting directly <laughs> seeded into the garden. So, yeah, yes. So you mentioned powdery mildew. So if you have a you know, pest disease outbreak, how do you handle that since you're, you're growing flowers and, you know, spraying that can get a little dicey depending on what you're spraying? Yeah, typically um, we, because like I said, we have pollinators um, and we really, I love leafcutter bees and I tolerate probably a lot more insect pressure um, on the foliage and things like that. Powdery mildew typically doesn't bother us until late fall. So I typically don't treat that. That's just something that I know is gonna occur in fall and then I'm gonna just discard those flowers. Um, I have had an aphid outbreak um, in the tunnel um, and I've had white flies in the tunnel one time. And those, you know, it's really um, monitoring. Um, I put up the little, um, yellow sticky traps and we'll monitor um, to see what, how the, what the pressure is. Um, we have turned loose ladybug larvae and we have um, green lace wings that I've noticed that's just naturally there because of having a lot of our pollinators outside of our tunnel. Um, so we, we try to attract those beneficials, but if I do have an outbreak of something that I can't control biologically, I will target just that, try to target that and spray the foliage. Now, if we've already started in bloom, um, then we might just have to discard that, um, and cut it, you know, and I, we don't sell the blooms because if you have, you know, I, I don't want to sell you the blooms that have aphids on it to take into yeah. your house, right? That would be just something that we wouldn't want to do. Um, so you might have a loss there. I, I will tell you one pest that it kind of drives me crazy is, um, snapdragons is another one that we grow and we will start them in the tunnel, um, a rocket series, uh, which gets really long stems. And then they'll have side shoots that will come additionally. Um, so we'll cut, we'll harvest that first uh, stock of Snapdragon. And then you have those side shoots that are growing. Well, it never fails that I seem to always have the um, Buckeye caterpillars that are going to be your Buckeye butterfly that yep. actually come in and those caterpillars use snapdragons as their host plant and they end up usually shredding all my foliage and then on that second one so we've learned you know that you can target it is it worth it to me if i need it for an event i might go ahead and, and target that you know that caterpillar but i know they're going to eventually show up so i just i tolerate what i can of it and i think that's you know and then we just let them go ahead and complete their life cycle. And I know I'm going to get some side shoots that'll come up later. So I kind of just let that go. But um, it, it is a challenge as, a, as you know, a flower farmer, but also having bees and things I don't want to spray, you know, along with that too, because that's also, you know, can cause damage um, in the long run for me. That's a good point because 
You know, when you're growing vegetables, it, just the vegetable has to look good. The plant could look terrible, but you're selling the plant or at least the part of the plant. And so it needs to look uh, presentable. It's got to be something people want to uh, put in the middle of their dinner table and sit and, and look at while they're eating. So yeah, that would be very challenging. I would think uh, that that balance between keeping that plant nice and uh, maybe not as eaten on as much uh, and then, you know, having to control some insects. I, I'll say I I have gotten quite a few um, cut flowers and uh, think like my wife would come in like, oh, the leaf is really shiny and you like touch it and it's sticky. Like, oh, that's honeydew. It's aphid poop. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that's fine. I am curious, Chris, what is happening right now uh, in the cut flower garden? Do you have any harvest going on? Or are you uh, ramping up for the spring? Yes, yeah, so right now uh, we are actually harvesting. Um, we had tulips that we had started in the high tunnel. Um, so they're the specialty double tulips and parrot tulips. So we're harvesting some of those right now. We have our cool season flowers that are growing. Um, so we have some bells of Ireland that are starting to grow for foliage. We have um, some larkspur that's uh, growing. We have uh, different things planted kind of coming along, but they're not quite in bloom yet. Um, we even, um, and then we're also getting in, um, transitioning in like our, our plants that are going to be put into the tunnel in rows. Um, we, we had covered our um, eucalyptus so we have some fresh that's coming in. That'll be the first year planting. But then we have some that we tried to cover with Agarbon that will cut off any damaged um, parts of it and then let it get started. Uh, I have jewels of Opar um, that are starting to bud up. Um, we have in the tunnel that we overwintered some cut uh, mums um, and they're kind of starting to see some growth to them going on. We have alliums that are growing. Um, so there's there's quite a bit of life. We also plant lettuce and radishes for our personal use in there. So we've harvested, you know, both of those crops. Um, but then along with that, we have peonies outside um, that we had to cover because of the cold snap. Oh, yeah. we, we got down to to 22 the other night. And so um, it, it's not very pretty right now, but I, we had covers and buckets over things. Um, they're about eight inches tall. And so I'm like covering with buckets so that, you know, I, I don't have damage. Um, but I think it's, it's part of that. We're starting to see some new growth on some of the roses um, and our, um, I guess it was um, some I, I did see the almond, the flowering almond that had some buds, and then also some of our lilacs have buds that are going. So, you know, that fluctuation of being those cold nights, we might see a little bit of damage occur. Um, but there's you can't cover everything, right? That's we know that that's that's a the give and take of it a little bit. We know that there's going to be a little bit of cool season damage um, that happens, you know, but the cool flowers typically will tolerate it um, and, and they'll do fine. They'll just kind of, as long as they're covered with a little bit of Agarbon, um, which is a row cover, the white row covers, if you don't know what that means, uh, it's a white row cover. We use that and they do well. So I'm going to talk a little bit about like foliage because, you know, maybe it's just me, but I think cut flowers, I think flowers, I think a lot of times people overlook the, the foliage plants and how 
you know, those can be added to, to bouquets and stuff. So what would, as you've mentioned some, but what are some different, the, the foliage, the plants are just grown for foliage, not necessarily for the flowers. So um, the first one, absolutely, we love basils, believe it or not. Um, lemon basil and cinnamon basil. Um, we love, um, so there's a chocolate mint. Um, mint's another one that sometimes we'll use uh, for foliage um, with it. Uh, we'll also grow, um, so later on we'll be, uh, like our bales of Ireland is more of a foliage, but it's, it, it does have the bells to it. But we'll use um, mahogany splendor. Um, so it's 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 actually a hibiscus, but they, it's a got a real burgundy color foliage to it. Um, we use nine bark, so we'll use a lot of shrubs. So um, we'll use our, our nine bark. So there's lots of varieties, right? You got those lime colored. Uh, leaves of your of nine bark, but then you also have those burgundy, you know, shades of, of some of those. So there's lots of different ones that we'll kind of use for our foliage end of it. We'll also use dill. Um, like I said, it's kind of like the Cosmo look to it, our bronze fennel. It has that anise um, smell to it. We'll use some fennels and some dills when, early in the season if we need something. Another great one is sedum. Um, so if you have sedum that's growing, you know, in lambs, um, lamb's ears, another one, you know, those are ones that are perennials that come back. We'll cut them early in season, um, especially around Mother's Day if we need a little bit of a green filler because your sedum as it usually like your uh, stone crop as it gets larger, you know, and it's not going to bloom until fall and it kind of spans out, we can cut a few of those leaves, uh, stems off and you still have a really nice shape to it. And you just reduce that bulk and we'll use that as a foliage. You have <laughs> the most diverse farm. <laughs> we have a little bit of everything. I think I'm a porter, actually. Plant order. Yep. <laughs> That's so neat. Oh, okay. Can I ask about eucalyptus? Because yes. you had mentioned that a few times. It sounds like you're trying to perennialize it with the agrabon. Does that work well or do you have to replant every year? Okay, so we um, are in zone 6B, um, 6A. We're right there. Mount Vernon's is 6A. So we're real close to that 6A line. Um, so I'm pushing the envelope a little bit, right? Um, I, I am perennializing it somewhat. We have found that the baby blue variety of eucalyptus, um, that we've covered it with the Agrabon. Uh, we typically will cut it back to two to three foot tall and then cover it all winter. And we've held, so we, we did one planting and it's lasted four years now. We're going on the fifth season uh, to see. Now, I will say we got down to negative 24 um, this winter. And so I'm really scared <laughs> that this year might be the year that got it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um we've not had it in December you know around Christmas we got down to negative 20s for two to three days there in a row so I'm not sure typically before that the temperatures hadn't been that low and we could cover it and and utilize it um but if not we plant every year additional varieties and, and new starts into the tunnel um our our first year plants typically will get anywhere from three to four foot tall in the tunnel and we'll harvest them late fall. We'll, we'll do side branches and then we'll harvest down uh, in the bulk of it in fall. But our 
established that was going on three years, four years old, it got to be anywhere from 17 foot to 20 foot tall in, in our high tunnel. So we had, um, it loved it. <laughs> it had plenty of, uh, it, we, we had grown them in raised beds in our tunnel. So we had reduced the compaction for them. They got a good established roots and, and they loved that compost and boy, they took off and um, they had a good base to them. And then we cut all the side branches off of them. Um, we have seen that the baby blue variety does the best. But we have also grown, um, you know, we've had multiple varieties. We've had the Nikolai and um, Silver Dollar, Silver Dollar, Silver Drop, they call it. Um, so we had multiple varieties going, more the willow looking type of eucalyptus opposed to the round circles. We've we've had a little bit of everything that we've tried. Um, the, the thing, they do not like to be direct seeded. You, you have to buy, you have to get them seed started or buy the plugs in. That's one thing we've not been able to go from seed straight to a lush plant. Um, they do need a little more care. So I, I think it'd probably be worth it. Either you invest in the seed, which was hard to find um, there with the wildfires and everything going on mm -hmm. or order in the plugs. And the plugs typically run anywhere from $2 to $3 um, a plug, a little plant. So, and they're tiny little things when they come in. So um, they're usually le less than an inch tall when you're planting them and you, you get kind of nervous and scared. Careful with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I love the idea of pushing the envelope. Um, I've, I've planted crepe myrtle and it's grown in, in, at least in my parents' home in Quincy, Illinois for several, well, over a decade now. And winters, like you described, mid-negative 20s, it'll die back to the ground, but it pops right back up. Uh, Chris, let me just maybe throw another weird thing on your radar as something that I have, just because of work, have had to learn more about, uh, tea. Uh, it is quite a, a foliage plant. It's it's a camellia, uh, yeah. not really a remarkable flower, but hey, wouldn't it be cool? Like, here's a cut flower bouquet and you can brew tea once you dry these leaves out. Yeah, or, there you go. I don't know. I just, <laughs> this sounds like you have a lot of edible stuff in your bouquet or in your, your yeah. cut flower mixtures. So not saying that you want people to eat all this stuff, but um, I'm just, uh, now my brain is- Okay, now it's going to be a new one. I'm going to have to try it. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. Well, I talked to Ken about cotton. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that would be a, a cool one to add. Um, we have not done that. I will say that I did get some tobacco leaf seed um, mm -hmm. to try to grow some tobacco leaves only because I just wanted to try it as something new. Like every year we try something new um, just to see how it's going to do it. My kids say, I don't really get flowers. You would think a cut flower farmer had flowers in their house. Usually it's experiments of how long will this mm -hmm. last in base life? And I have single things and don't touch because I'm trying to see how long that's going to last in that cup of water, you know? So I think it's, it's definitely, I think we always are experimenting with something new. So I have not tried that tea. So I'm thinking that might be a new one. So what's your new stuff for this year then? So this year we actually, it just new varieties, I think. Um, so we did the, um, Cosmos, we have so, uh, this, um, it's called apricot um, lemonade. That's a, a new variety for us. Um, I have actually, I'm saying new as in, I got some new varieties of, of David Austin roses that we haven't grown in our area. So they're more of a climbing rose. 
So we're going to try a couple new varieties of that. Um, we also um, we have hydrangeas, so we'll do different varieties. Of course, you always do the Annabelles and, you know, because it's really close. They do really well here in Southern Illinois. We do different varieties. So there we'll, we'll always try a new variety of um, anything that's that's out. But I, I, I don't know if I really picked anything that I, I have a new one of yet this year, other than just the different colors that we're trying to do on varieties. I have so many. That's the one thing with beginners, right? We always want everything. And I would recommend that, you know, doing something really well first and learning how to how they react and how they're going to grow, because typically I'll I'll try things, you know, three times. So I'll, I'll try it the first year and see, OK, did it was it something I did and it died and it didn't do well? Or was it environmental issue or pest issue? And so I'll try it a second year. And if it doesn't do well, then then by the third year, I'm like, okay, is it worth my time and energy to continue this? Or is it really going to be effective? You know, if I can grow basil for that, that foliage instead that we can also eat or use it, is it better for me to just use that and not worry about it? So I think that's the thing, um, as I've learned, I always try something that might be, um, you know, we're, we're thinking, okay, uh, I had done um, facilia. It's a more of a central Illinois. They've done that as a cover crop. Mm -hmm. I tried it for me early in the, and I actually put out some seed. So I guess that's my one new thing. It would be facilia. I have it in the high tunnel, but I wanted it as an early bloomer and more for the foliage, just because it's really got a cool texture, you know, with that as it's purple and it's laying over. I thought that might be a cool new texture in our spring bouquets. So I think it's just, you know, kind of figuring out what works well for you and what you do well, and then to continue in that process. Well, that is some great advice. I think uh, we say that a lot to, to people interested in either starting a business or maybe start starting something new in the garden is start small. Uh, Chris, I have heard that that three strike policy kind of with other farmers and growers, like we're going to give this three chances and we're going to document each year or each time we grow this, good, dud, and why, and can we do that some other way that might might be more economical? So I, I, fantastic advice for anyone wanting to get started in cut flower commercially or cut flower for fun. Um, this has been a lot of great information today. And I bet listeners, you're probably yelling at us like, what about harvest and holding these flowers for periods of time in a vase and we will get to that at a future show we have to have chris on uh later on and talk about harvesting flowers arranging bouquets and getting them to last or maybe even drying them there's a lot that we still have to talk about we have to cut it off for today chris thank you so much for being with us we really appreciate your time and sharing um your other part of your other job of cut flower farming so thank you so much Thank you, guys. Well, the Good Growing Podcast is a production of University of Illinois Extension, edited this week by me, Chris Enroth. And a special thanks to Ken Johnson for hanging out once again another week under the belt, Ken, uh, chatting about gardening. Yes, thank you, Chris Looking, for being on. I learned a lot, and one of these days I'll get my act together and attempt to grow cut flowers. Or I'll be growing most of them already, but <laughs> actually... Take shower our, so our spouses and cut flowers <laughs> yeah so take care of them so they can be cut flowers mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh chris as always thank you and uh 
let's do this again next week. Oh, we shall do this again next week. It's going to be a question and answer show, folks. So we have more spring gardening questions that are coming in. If you do have them, our emails are in the show notes below. We are happy to answer these in email or on air, whatever you would prefer. Well, listeners, thank you for doing what you do best, and that is listening. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, watching. And as always, keep on growing.